uh, for those of you that are visiting this morning or uh, I haven't had a pleasure to uh, meet. Uh, my name is Zach Hansen. I'm the youth director here and I get an opportunity to uh, talk this morning. And uh, I, I don't know, how many of you are um, fans of the progressive commercials, the, the latest one with the replays, you know, what really happened? I think uh, actually a year ago, Josh and Linda um, did a spoof on that one, what really happened at the staff meeting or whatever, right? So, but my, uh, my favorite one, uh, and the one that reminded me of this video, um, they played it, it came out around Thanksgiving, right? And there was the grandma sitting at the Thanksgiving table and she asked for the sweet potatoes to be passed. And then the two, uh, I, th I think it was two granddaughters or whatever, were looking at, uh, looking at each other going, oh, where's the sweet potatoes? I asked you to put the sweet potatoes on the, on the list. You didn't ask me to put the sweet potatoes on the list. And so they, you know, threw the replay of what really happened. So they had their moment here of, well, who got the wine, right? <laughs> so um, I saw that and I, it, it just reminded me of that. But here's this, here's this moment that we enter into um, with this wedding. And, and they're running out of wine. It's this big festival, right? And, it, you know, the video talked about that, you know, some these wedding uh, feasts, these wedding celebrations were um, all, sometimes a week long in that culture. And day one, and they're already out of wine. So they've got this moment, this family, that is not only embarrassing for them, but uh, culturally, uh, really a, a challenge, right? Because this is a pretty significant thing for them to be hosting these people. And so this is the first moment that we get in John uh, that after we've gone through the, the beginning of John where it talks about in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And then we hear about this moment of Jesus being declared the Lamb of God. And then we have Jesus, you know, asking his disciples as we get an account of that in many of the Gospels. But this is the first moment that we get in John about Jesus' ministry and the work that he does. And I think there's some intent there with why this story first. And so we're going to get into it a little bit this morning, and there's a couple things right away that I want to share with you, um, just thoughts that, that hit my uh, uh, brain initially, and we're going to work through that. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John, and it's in chapter 2, um, so you can open up to that. And the first couple verses says this, it says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festival, so Jesus' mother told them, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. So there's a couple thoughts right off the bat here. Um, first of all, scary situation, obviously, or scary situation in this moment of this wedding celebration. And Mary, the first instinct that she has is to come to Jesus. Now, she knows through, you know, what the angel has told her already, what Jesus is about to become. But, but I also think there's probably kind of a proud mom moment here of like, Jesus, okay, I'm going to come to you, right? You're my son. I'm going to rely on you uh, for this moment. So she's coming to her son, uh, and she pleads with him, help this family. So my first question for you this morning is, when things get tough, 
when you go through challenges in your life, where do you turn first? Or what do you turn to first? My hope and my prayer is that Jesus is your first first line, your first walk, right? We're constantly on this journey with him. Whether it's good or bad, you're always turning, you're always acknowledging uh, the work that God is doing in your life. But then the second thing, and this is what comes in response, is you see Jesus responds in, in verse four. He says, dear woman, that's, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. Now, I don't know about y'all, but um, anybody ever tried to address their mother by saying woman? <laughs> I don't know that that would end well, right? There'd still be marks on your cheek from that, right? But this is not, as we read this, this isn't a sign of, of disrespect. There's almost a moment here where as Mary's addressing Jesus, and I love what they say in, in, the, uh, in the chosen uh, scene there that's not in, in Scripture here, but it's, if not now, when? When is, when is your time, right? We do that all the time. We ask God, well, when is it your timing? When are you ready? When are you going to do something in my life, right? So it's almost like Mary's representing not just herself, not just the family, but all of mankind here in this moment. And we ask God all the time. When is your timing? When, when are you going to do something in my life? I've asked you for something. I've turned to you. But God answers in his own time, doesn't he? And so this exchange, dear woman, is almost more Jesus responding to us as a whole bo- human body going, it's on my time. It's on God's time. God will respond it might not be in, in, in the time that we want it to happen. It might not be in the way we want it to happen. But God will respond. So those are the first two things that I noticed right away um, in these verse, first couple verses. So if you keep reading on, uh, again, in verse 4, it says, um, or a- after his response, it said, but, but his mother told the servant, so classic mother line, right? He, Jesus gives a response. She ignores him and says, oh, we're going to do it anyway. Because she doesn't even rebuke. She just says, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servant, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. God asks us to do things in our life. We, we make requests of him. We come to him with our stuff. And sometimes God asks us to do things, and sometimes they don't make any sense. Thomas was uh, illustrated that brilliantly in that, in that scene right there, right? He has no clue, and I cut out some of it, but there's this whole exchange between Jesus and Thomas where he is just trying to figure out what is going on. And he has the, the, the one quip line in there, if you hadn't noticed, they run out of wine, not water. So to him, it's making absolutely no sense, and we know it will further on down the road. But sometimes God asks us to do things that, make no sense, right? And our job simply is to be obedient. Mary was quick to say to the servants, do what he tells you to do. 
So even though we have doubts, even though we have challenges, even though we, we might not be sure exactly what God is doing, we're called not to know everything, but just to be obedient to him. When I was first starting out in ministry, I had an opportunity to work at a Bible camp for a summer. My wife actually recruited me. And uh, this was a crazy thing for me. I wasn't the, the kid who wanted to leave home and go across country for college. I, I wasn't uh, the type of person that was out on my own all the time. I, I was kind of comfortable. And so um, T- uh, Tanya had come to me with this opportunity at a camp she had worked at the summer before and said, I, think, I really think you should do it. And I'll tell you, the experience that I had um, was, was life-changing uh, in the sense of I really learned how to rely on God in those moments. See, I'm, I'm, people will be surprised when I say this. I'm an introvert by nature. I call myself a learned extrovert because you have to be in ministry. And this camp is where I learned how to be that. But it was exhausting for me. We'd go through the whole week and you'd had, I had these sixth graders. I got a picture of it up here, I think. Um, I, there it is, right there. These were, this was the sixth grade program that we would be in. So I had six, uh, eight sixth grade boys every single week, and we'd stay in these hot, miserable uh, ca- uh, wagons. And I, let me tell you, it was hot, okay? There were a couple weeks where it was 96 plus, and you know, we had water chugging contests and stuff. But we had this whole week, and if you've ever worked at a camp, even volunteered for a week, you know, like, there is no uh, eight to four, eight to five job. You are on 24 hours a day. Uh, six days a week, or five days a week, I guess. And you're constantly there. You're, you're, even when you're asleep, you're attentive to, if, is there a camper who's homesick? Are they not feeling well? You gotta be up with them at night. It was an exhausting journey. And so I remember I'd get to Fridays when the kids would go home, and I would be just spent. And I'd get a little bit of Friday night, but usually there was some sort of camp staff thing that we'd do to, to have fun. And, and then you'd get Saturday, but I, there's so many times Sunday morning, you'd wait, I'd wake up with a new set of campers coming our way, and I am still physically and spiritually spent. And I spent so much of that morning just praying, God, I, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but I need you to give me the strength because I want every kid, no matter if it's the first week of camp or the eighth week of camp, I want every kid to experience the same energy for me and the same love for me as, as they did the very first week. So there were many Sundays when I would start that week just riding God's power. God's Holy Spirit, and, and he worked, and he did it, and I, went, and I got through it, lived. I had shin splints by the end of the summer, but uh, I made it, right? And we had fun, and, I, and uh, the kids felt loved. But I had to rely on God's goodness. I had to rely on his strength to get through that summer. But for me, I, I, there was a time when I first, before I left for camp, it's like, I had no idea why I was going to this camp. I, had, I didn't even go to camp as a kid. So I'm going, I, I'm following Tanya to this camp. I didn't, I didn't know why I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to this, but I went and I did it. And I look back on it now and I go, that taught me so many things about what it meant to be in ministry, what it meant to love people, what it meant to give of my own 
life to serve others, it completely transformed who I was. God is gonna do things through experiences. God is gonna, uh, is gonna give us opportunities. We just have to follow and we have to be obedient. So my question for you is, is, is there a time where you've had to turn to Jesus and rely on him? Is there a time where God's been doing something in your life or maybe it's right now? And you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea why things are happening or what God is calling you to do and it's way outside your comfort zone. Will you continue to follow him anyway, even when you don't understand everything that's going on? Verse six. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told his servants, fill these jars with water, dips them out, and takes them to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, although, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. These stone jars, as it says in verse 6, and they reference it in the video, he picked these stone jars that were used for cleansing. He could have just refilled whatever the wine was in the first time, but he finds these, these stone jars used for cleansing. Well, when you think about cleansing, water, being made clean, that's a, that's a really specific uh, tradition and ritual that the Jewish people had. And so I think he's, he's done that with intent. And I love the image, the way they do it in The Chosen. If you can go to the next, the next picture, where they, they have this scene now here when Jesus dips his hand into the water and he's lifting it up slowly and the wine is dripping off from his hands. First time I ever saw that, I go, oh, I'm, you can see where they're pointing. Because while water washes and, is, and cleanses and is made clean, think about from this moment on, the path that Jesus is set on and what he's gonna do. This path ends with him on the cross, dying to cleanse us from our sin. That wine, that image of wine dripping from his hands like blood that was shed as he's hanging on the cross. Here's the interesting thing. You know, Jesus is facing this decision. Mary asks him, if if not now, when? I suppose... He could have diverted from that path. I suppose he could have said no. They have the the image of the disciple talking about once you make that cut into stone, once you start down that path, it follows a series of decisions. The path was laid before him. 
And he was grieving many times throughout this journey, but he stayed on that path because he knew his greater role, he knew his greater purpose, and he understood that our salvation, our lives, were more important than his. That's how much he loves you, and that's how much he loves each and every one of us. That he stayed on that path and he transformed our life. Jesus is in the business, God is in the business of transforming lives. In this story, he transforms water into wine. But when we come to him, we give our lives to him, we trust in him to be the author and perfecter of our faith, of our life. He transforms us from the inside out. He gives us a new life in him. That's the invitation. That's the gift that he's given. That's the imagery that you see in this story that's going on here today. We're going through the book of Romans uh, in, our, in our high school program right now. Probably faster than I want to. Uh, we're trying to get a good chunk of the way through because we've got our big district blitz coming this spring and their theme is the Romans Road. So we're trying to get a chunk done, but we're kind of going lightning fast through it. But we got to, we got to Romans 8 uh, this past Wednesday. And Romans 8 begins with this, uh, so now there, or uh, in some translations it's now then. If you haven't learned reading scripture, when you see something like that, you see Paul write, therefore, or so now there, something like that, pay attention to what comes next, because there's usually a big profound statement that comes, right? So Romans 8.1 says this, there is, uh, there, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Beginning of the book of Romans, they lay, he lays out the gospel. He talks about the divinity of God, the goodness of God. He gets into our, our human sin and the, and the propensity that we have to fall into it. And then he talks about our salvation. And he, we get to this moment in Romans 8 where we've understood all of the penalty of what sin does for us and how we don't measure up in the eyes of the law. And then we get to this. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How has he transformed you in your life? Or maybe the, the better question to back up is, has he? Have you let him? Have you come to Christ? Have you had that moment where you've trusted God with your life, despite the fact that it's beyond your understanding? If you haven't, I challenge you to think about that this morning. There's a couple other thoughts that I want to leave you with. One I'm going to share with you right now. The other I'm going to share after the, after the band sings. But there's two things that I see in this story of the wedding. One is abundance and one is joy. So you think about this moment where he's created more wine, right? They were running out, they were empty, and now he's created this abundance where everybody can, can feast, they can have this wonderful moment. They have abundance of wine in this story. 
This is an image, too, of God and his abundant eternal life, his abundant life that he promises us in this moment. God, has, God does things for us in our lives, sometimes to the point where it rocks us to the core. Have you ever had those moments? It might be a small, insignificant thing that happens in your, in your daily life, or maybe it's a life transformation that has completely turned you around. But have you ever had that moment where God has just completely rocked you? And you stand before him in awe. at the power that he has to transform. This family, as we talked about, they were facing this, this embarrassment, this culturally um, unforgiving moment, and he redeems them from this by giving them this abundance of wine. Well, Jesus stands before you and offers you an abundant life. His grace is inexhaustible. Live in that this morning. Understand the love that he has for you, the forgiveness that he offers, the grace that he has that surpasses all understanding. But to what end? This is my challenge for you this morning. The other verse in Romans that we read in youth group the other night was Romans 7, 4. It says this, it says, So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. So as you allow him to transform your life, going back to the obedience thing, let him use your life to transform others, to bear fruit, to do good deeds, as it says in this passage. This is our calling. This is what we're called to carry out. We're invited to be part of this family. We're invited to... to, be loved first by God, but then we're invited to go out. God's in the business of transforming lives. We need to join him in that mission. Not do it for him. Join him in what he's doing. Hope Fellowship is in the business of transforming lives. Josh has talked about that. Transforming and changing the world for Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, because of his love for us, because of how he views us, we are invited to be part of that mission. We are invited to carry it out. So my challenge to you this morning, think about who that is that needs to hear this message. Think about who it is in your life. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a... Uh, a relative, maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's the person at the, at the Bill's grocery store that we've talked about, right? Whoever, whoever it is, th- who is that person that needs to hear the message of God's love? As he's transforming your life, let him help to transform and, and allow him to use you to transform others. Let us pray.
Lord God, we see a simple moment here of Jesus turning water into wine, transforming a wedding feast. But we know, Lord God, that it's not just that. We see the illustration of what it means, this journey that this moment starts Jesus on, this journey that ends on the cross. We understand, we know, Lord God, that because of, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are washed, we are made clean. Our lives are transformed. We are free from the bondage of sin. We are given this opportunity for abundant life and to live in your abundant grace. God, may that message rest on our hearts this morning. May our hearts feel free. May we feel that grace in the moments when we need it, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for something. May we recognize and understand that your grace abounds, your forgiveness abounds. And God, work through us to understand this purpose of what we're, what we're saved for. We're saved, we're redeemed, but we're saved to carry it out and spread that word to others. God, stir up in us those people that maybe need to hear this message, that need to experience your love, that need to experience your grace, people that you've put in our path. And help us, Lord God, to have the boldness, even if it's outside of our comfort zone, even if it doesn't make sense, to be obedient and spread your word. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing this last song together.